Kia ora, this is The Detail, I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. Today, Westpac fesses up about its shocking gender pay gap. It's bigger than us. We can't fix it immediately because it's bigger than just Westpac. If it was kind of a secret, one strategy we could have is not say anything about it and just go and hire all the women in certain fields that exist in the country and fix our own at the expense of every other employer. We'd rather talk about the thing, get it out there, and we're all better off. The bank's just put out a report showing its gender pay gap is more than 30%. This is not about equal pay for equal work. The bank pretty much has that one down. It means that many more men are in senior jobs and its low-paid jobs are dominated by women. So why did CEO David McLean out his bank? It's pretty unusual for a journalist to be invited to do an interview with a chief executive, especially on a subject that doesn't make you look that good. No, um, and I guess, actually, I just need to think about that. <laughs> You're starting with the hard ones, Sharon. Yeah, I know. Um, no, look, uh, I'm very pleased to um, get this out there because I think it's a subject we need to talk about more as business community and, and as a country as a whole. And I'm very keen to have a conversation about it that you can't really get through just in a soundbite. So when you saw those figures, what was your reaction? I was shocked, actually, because uh, at Westpac, we'd spent a long time working on things like pay equity, women in leadership. We've got to almost complete pay equity and we've got to over 50% women in leadership. And we thought, wow, we've done a great job. But when we look at our gender pay gap, it was quite a startling number, 30.3%. Now, we get to the point where you have to explain what is pay equity and what is gender pay? And this is, a, this is the reason, one of the reasons we're very keen to, to start this conversation and, and get more people talking about it. When I talk to people, there seems to be a lot of confusion about this subject. In New Zealand, we've had equal pay since the Equal Pay Act 1972 which is mandated by law. We've had um, pay equity is something that people are kind of working on in many corporations. And at a, at a national level, the gender pay gap is reported. So New Zealanders recently came out as 9.3. Pay equity means for Westpac that people doing the same job are paid the same. And not only that, but people at the same layer or level of the organisation, the same band, they're often called in HR terms, are paid the same. At the lowest levels, actually, women are paid slightly more, about 10% more, but that's because most of the people in that band are on a collective employment contract and there's progression uh, on pay for length of tenure. Mm -hmm. So the longer you've been there... Um, you get more pay, and we've got a lot of women down in those levels who've and, been there And longer. when you say that those low levels, what are you talking about? What is that? What kind that would of be, you know, what people would think of as a bank teller, somebody you might meet when you come into the bank or when you ring up the contact centre. We're paying people fairly mm. for the same job, the same kind of job. People are paid fairly. So what um, the gender pay gap tells us is something slightly different. That tells us that we've got far more women in roles at the lower levels of the organisation, far less women um, and more men at the higher paid levels. How did Westpac figure out the 30% gap? 
We've taken the approach of measuring total pay. So we take your base pay, any bonuses, overtime, and you know the most important thing is how much you're paid, not really about how it's made up. So we've taken that as the approach, and we've used the median hourly earnings as the measure rather mm-hmm. than the average or the mean, um, because, again, that seems to be the more um, standard, internationally accepted measure. When we look to what we can do about it, we can do a lot about pay equity, because every year we have a remuneration review. We, can, we, we actually look at the detailed reporting and we try and iron out the differences, layer by layer and job by job. So we're, you know, we're very, very close to full pay equity. Um, but changing this gender pay gap is slightly more difficult because things within our control are bringing women through their career and not having their career derailed, for example, when, you know, when the family has children or whatever. But at a deeper level in New Zealand society, it's about role stereotypes, what's often called occupational segregation. Or as Global Women's CEO Siobhan McKenna calls it, the pink-blue argument. It's girls um, being told that they should look at certain uh, jobs as as feasible and and these other jobs are less feasible, and same for boys. And I think uh, that the science now has come out that unless you intervene in 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 a child's life at around seven and eight, you've actually probably lost them. In terms of if they don't see their face in science, if a seven-year-old girl doesn't see her face in science, she's probably not going to. I think the Ministry for Women said that uh, over half of New Zealanders work in jobs where more than 70% of the people in that job are of the same gender. And perhaps this is too trivial, but, you know, girls become nurses, men became doctors. Girls became stewardesses and men became pilots. It's that kind of role stereotyping that in banking still persists. How much have things changed at the bank? Let's wind it back to the 1950s when my parents, Arthur Brett Kelly and Madeline Finn, worked at BNZ. I joined the bank in 1955, which made me about 19. Okay. I, I was 18 or something. And was that in, um, where was that, Takaka? Takaka. The BNZ? BNZ, oh, the yeah. only bank in town. <laughs> and what did you, what was your first job? Our first job um, was uh, doing hand ledgers that uh, you stood up at a, at a fairly high desk, sloping desk, and with ink and pen. You um, you kept an account of uh, all the customers, so you wrote in all the checks that they they had uh, uh, written out and all the credits that they paid in. And do you remember how much you were paid in that position? I think I was getting about eight pound a fortnight. And would everybody have been paid the same, the men and the women? Uh, I doubt it. I don't remember. Uh, I never inquired what women were paid. And they probably wouldn't have told me anyway. Mm. And I, wasn't, I wouldn't have been interested anyway. No. So then you moved on to the BNZ in Wellington. You supervised mum. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is Very that... poorly too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I was the ledger keeper, I think they call them. And it was my job to sit at a desk uh, facing the public and um, I was to check um, all the checks that we were to post that day. It was called stuff. Were any women in those posi- in similar positions to you? 
like supervising? I think there was one now, I come to think of it. I think there was one lady that had been, um, you know, in the bank for some time and she was a head, she was a ledger keeper. Right, and that was it. There were none in very senior positions. Not in, not in those years, no. And did anybody ever question that? Uh, well, no, we were too busy talking about um, football and, and um, you know, things like that. Really? Right. I, I never heard anybody talking about it. It was very much accepted, I expect. The only promotion was from the second ledger to the first ledger, which meant that you were the senior one or the junior one. I suppose it would, that was the only promotion. <laughs> it wasn't really a promotion. You still had to balance with the, with the other person. And there were no women in any senior positions? No. Not, well, <clears throat> you'd hardly call it a senior position. They were the supervisors who dealt with the public. No women dealt with the public. Except, I suppose, at lunchtime, when you took a turn... When the men had lunch, the supervisor had lunch because they were men, and then if if somebody came in they wanted to check their account, you would take a turn perhaps then. But that's the only time you dealt with the public. Otherwise, was, mm, it was all men. Was that position considered too senior for a woman to handle? I suppose it would have been, yes. They were only slightly senior, but it was slightly senior to what we did on the ledgers. And were you allowed to handle the money? No, they were tellers, they were men. That was too senior for you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because there are a lot of women working there. Did you yes. talk about how this wasn't quite right and there weren't any opportunities for you? Um no, I can't remember anybody. I, I hated the job. I, I never liked, I hated the um, working on the machines. But nobody seemed to, they just accepted it was, was there. And you were either there or if you're a shorthand typist, you could be a secretary upstairs to one of the, the other men. They were all men. A lot has changed, but it's still a man's world at the top. And that's what Westpac's gender pay analysis shows. 62% of its 4,000 employees are now women, but female employees are stacked in the low-paid jobs. So it's really, it's a sexist industry, like many. Like, like, I'd say like a lot. It's not because we choose it that way. It's because I think it's almost that women from an early age at school or whatever have been steered in that direction. Is it also because... Over the years, if women stay home and have children, that's the main setback, isn't it, really, often in that the career? That often is the thing that derails the career. Or, yeah. yeah. Women are as ambitious as men. They earn the majority of university degrees. In America, they now ask for promotions as often as men. But it's the price women pay for motherhood that holds them back. In Britain... 70% of mothers reduce their working hours or switch to a less demanding job, compared with 11% of fathers. In Australia, it's 56% of mothers and 19% of fathers. While in France, 55% of mothers scale back, compared with 13% of fathers. When an American woman goes back to work, her salary is on average lower than it would have been if she hadn't had a child. What do you do about that? The first thing I'd say is 
the, the challenge with this is until you focus on it, you're not going to do anything about it because you don't even realise. But with that bringing women through um, to leadership roles, we've done a lot of work on that and we've, you know, in the space of about 10 years we went from in the low 30% women in leadership to over 50 and so we can continue doing that. Um, with the career um, progression, parental leave policies are very important. For example, making sure parental leave's equally available to the male partner. Um, so, uh, you know, extending the parental leave, making it uh, equally available to both genders is very important. So that, uh, and in fact, some Scandinavian countries are pushing this very hard so that it's seen as not just the woman's job to raise the children during that period. That's going to be a big help in getting women to progress through to leadership roles, making sure that women don't get derailed in their career. But another issue which is more fundamental and probably less within our control is the fact that um, you know stereotyping of role models when girls are at school, for example. You know, not, not enough girls come through into STEM subjects, science, technology, engineering, maths. So, for example, shifting the gender proportion of people in, say, IT is going to take quite a long time and it's not something we can do on our own. We can go and look for females in those roles, but if there's not many, um, everyone's going to end up fighting over the few. So we need to try and shift society's expectations of girls about what careers they're going to go into. Yeah, and this has been talked about for such a long time. Yeah. And I think it's a combination of having role models, women astronauts and this sort of thing, which is positive. And for industries like ours, it's getting the girls in from schools. We're the sort of banker to a lot of girls' schools, and we, we have their classes of year 12 girls come and understand what's happening in careers in the bank. Not just frontline careers, but actually you know, senior or technically um, specialised roles. So... Uh, I think all of us have to do that sort of thing. But that is going to take quite a long time to shift. Why do we need to, to do this? What, you talk about, you know, around the world there are many more economists, male economists than female economists. Why, why is that so important? Um, if you look at one particular profession like e- economists, um, probably, you know, you might say it doesn't really matter that much. But it is important for New Zealand because uh, if women are confined to lower paid roles, they have less economic security, they're less uh, financially empowered and they have a a poorer retirement and there's a lot of studies that show that this is actually quite a problem for society. So first of all, just from the basic principle of doing what's right, we want to make sure that every girl who, you know, leaves school has got an equal opportunity with every boy who leaves school. But secondly, there is an economic truth to this that if women are uh, as I say, steered more towards lower paid roles, then society is worse off. If there are a lot of women at the teller level, say, are you doing anything to try and encourage them to go up through the ranks if they're interested? Yes, yes, we are. And that that works for some of them. But a lot of them have not, a lot of them have long tenure in the bank and uh, have not seen themselves as, as being candidates for sort of higher levels necessarily. So um, part of the thing would be when somebody new comes into a teller role that we, we're setting the expectations that actually there's no limit. Mm. Uh, whereas if you've been there for 30 years already, you, you, know, you, you might have had those expectations pretty well uh, narrowed down. So how much is Westpac risking losing customers and staff by coming out about the 30% gap? Back to Siobhan McKenna. Champions for Change um, is a group of business people, essentially, who are willing to lead 
on issues like this. And so David is the chair of Champions for Change, and I think it is it does require bravery and courage to call out bad news in any context. It's important it happens because, in my experience, uh, when we don't confront the truth truly, truly, we tend to either not pay it the attention it needs or we make up the wrong thing to try and solve it. Maybe easier not to have done it, but New Zealand society needs truth talkers and especially in business. 30% though, I mean even, even David McLean said he was startled at that figure, 30%, which is way above the New Zealand figure of 9.3%. Correct. There's a bunch of things in there. There's everything from unconscious bias and not paying close, close attention to that all the time. Then we've got the way that we've typically done salaries and things and negotiations, and we, we probably know a bit about that. Uh, then you mean that the nego- pay negotiations are of, often skewed towards men because men are less afraid to say I'm worth this? Is that what you mean? Well, there is a lot of there's been a lot written about that exact thing, and um, I, I think that is part of it. But I also think there's other things like uh, women coming back from maternity leave who were in leadership roles or progressing into leadership roles, and uh, it's difficult to kind of come back from uh, that stage of your life. And so when we look at gender pay gap, what do we really looking at, we're looking at a key indicator and a high level indicator of the spread of seniority of gender across an organisation. We know that the more senior roles have the bigger money, uh, so so really when you hear the gender pay gap number of an organisation, it gives you a little bit, it's not the only thing, but it does give you an insight into uh, what the spread of male females is across the, the, the more senior roles. No, no surprise really that Westpac as a bank, the best paid, the more senior positions are mostly men and the lowest paid are women because that's, that's traditionally the way it's been. We know that finance and financial services globally doesn't fare particularly well with gender balance at the senior levels. Um, it's one of, the, one of the sectors to watch. Um, but I think this is what makes it even more extraordinary about Westpac coming out because um, they're the least likely to, industry-wise, in many regards, and yet they're coming out with the bravest story, which I, I know they won't be happy with, right? No one's going to be happy with a 30% result. So it makes it, even, uh, it makes it even more powerful, I think, and hopefully New Zealand public will see this as a sign of when you do tell the truth, you're... A- big way away along the way of actually being able to solve it and I don't think you would tell the truth like this if you didn't fully intend to solve it There's three kinds of interventions that are going to truly solve, we believe, or I believe um, the gender pay gap, as I say inside um, organisations and businesses uh, in terms of the things, the quick fixes and the things they can do to correct. Then you've got the um, mid-term things, which is policy-driven and getting more women in leadership in terms of um, organisational policies, maternity leave, equal access to both parents for parental leave. Um, That's why uh, Kiwi Dads was such an important campaign for global women um, is because we really wanted to point out that when men are more equal at home, women can be more equal in leadership at work. And then you've got the longer play, as I say there, with um, intervention in our schools and the way we teach our children. 
any job is possible. We program our children to a great degree about what they end up doing. It sort of surprises me that we're still doing that. We want you to be shocked and disturbed by this. I think that um, it's when we are when we are dissatisfied with this and we feel like hasn't this been fixed yet and why isn't it sorted already I think we need that kind of impetus to be able to uh, make it okay for people to come out and tell the truth and also support them in their endeavours to fix it because it's you know like I say there are some quick fixes there's low hanging fruit in most situations but there's also if we're really doing an earnest job of closing the gap and keeping it closed we need uh long-term intervention, which requires more than individual business leaders. It requires government to chip in with us. What do you want government to do? I think there's a lot in the, in the schools that they can be doing and the way we approach um, the education of our people, but also our parents. You know, I look at myself. I have a son and a daughter. You know, am, am, I, am I pointing out the pretty flowers to my daughter more than my son? I don't know. I mean, there's countless ways that I could examine myself and feel like, wow, you know, am I... Am I uh, approaching, um, you know, the, their career options evenly? Yeah. Um, fortunately, my daughter said she wants to do chemistry, so that was a big, Excellent. that was great news. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and that you've, so you've got the Champions for Change who are leading the way, but what about all those other organisations, those 27 companies on the NZX who don't have any women on their board? I think that they're on a journey, um, and, the, you know, change happens, I guess, um, uh, for two reasons. Um, one, because people see the light, and the other is because people feel the heat. Not everyone sees the light. I would describe champions as a group of people who see the light. Um, I would describe people who still have no female representation or allow a one woman in on their board uh, as, as needing to feel the heat. And the heat is coming. Frankly, the heat is coming. If you want to be attractive in the employee market, you really need to um, show your uh, workplace culture. You need to show your human-centeredness. And these aren't esoteric, airy-fairy type notions. This is the new face of business. That's the detail for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz, made possible by the RNZ NZ On Air Innovation Fund. Hit the subscribe button to stay across the detail every day. And if you're on Apple, please leave a rating as it helps other listeners find us. This episode was engineered by Blair Stagpole and produced by Alexia Russell. Ka nui tēnei.